Please turn your Bible to Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 6. We'll get to that here in a moment, very familiar scripture. Two weeks ago, we considered the purpose of the church, what the church, God brought the church, and why, why he did all of it, why he created the church. We looked at the church in its infant stage and, and came to understand that the church was created by Jesus and he considered her to be his bride, something that we should not take lightly. Christians take that too lightly. We don't always treat the church like Jesus intended us to treat him. We don't. We saw that the church is a place where our hearts should long to return. And, and when we do return, we receive something every single time we go. Hearts are strengthened through worship and fellowship. We're encouraged to continue in faith because that is what family does. We, we continue to learn when we return. We, we learn the, the deep and powerful things of God. Now, last week, we considered what the purpose of Christians. How, how many of y'all consider yourself to be a Christian? We learned what the purpose of Christians were. That, that we could not understand our purpose apart from understanding God's command for us to love him like no other. That the love would give us virtues. This love would get, give us virtues. And those virtues would give us purpose and, and help us to fulfill God's plan for winning the lost to him. Today we're going to explore uh, some, something else this morning, church. We're going to come to understand another purpose. And this one's going to be a little harder because we're going back to everything, back to the very beginning. And I want to ask you what is the purpose of this world and man? What is the purpose? Look at Isaiah chapter 6, and we're going to start in verse 1. I'm getting, a, I'm getting a, like an echo over here, if y'all could do, make, make a change or so. Thank you, Neil. Isaiah 6. Isaiah records this. He says, very familiar. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. He was seated on high and lofty throne. His robe filled the temple. Seraphim. Ser Can anybody stand up and tell me what the seraphim is? And you know, draw me a diagram. And I mean, it, it, seraphim were standing above him. Each one had six wings. With, with two, he covered his face. With two, he covered his feet. And with two, he, he flew. And one called to the other, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The word holy means, and always has mean, without equal. So let's say it that way. So they, they called one to another, without equal, without equal, without equal is the Lord of hosts. His glory fills the earth. That goes all the way back to Romans chapter 1 verse 20. God reveals himself through his creation. Even the invisible things are clearly seen that man is without excuse. His holiness is all over this earth. Verse 4. 
the fountains of the doorways shook at the sound of their voices, and the temple was filled with smoke. Then I said, Woe is me, for I am ruined because I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among people of unclean lips, and because my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father in heaven, Lord Jesus, we come to you asking forgiveness for our sins, asking you to fill, just forgive us where we fail you, Lord. Now, Lord, we, we've come to you. You've set the table. You've prepared this message for your people. And Lord, I pray that you would be with us and help us to receive it. Help us, Lord, to feel your presence and to hear a word from you that when we walk through these doors out to our mission field, Lord, we'll serve you the way you created us to serve. Be with us right now. And all God's children said, amen. amen. Church, I want you to understand something. From what we just read, there, there's one, there's many aspects that, that we're gonna, we, we could touch on, but there's one I want you to really see from the scripture we just read. God is holy. God is would Would be to God that the church, listen, I wish could spend just two seconds in his presence the way Isaiah did. And I think our mindset and our involvement and our faithfulness to this thing that we call the church, his bride, would be a whole lot different. I really do. So the first thing I want you to see is this. God is holy. He's holy. And man is not. Man is not. We're, we're almost the opposite end of the spectrum. Now, I know some of y'all think you're holy. But you're not. We're, we're not. We're talking about Isaiah the prophet when he stood and he saw everything. That he, the, the thing that came to his mind first is, I, I'm unholy. I'm unrighteous. And I'm standing in the presence of a righteous God. I believe there's going to be some self-righteous Christians very, very soon when they stand before him. It, it, their outlook is going to be very similar to Isaiah's when it should be today. So the thing I want you to see is that God is holy. Man is not. Can we all agree this morning? Can, let, let's, let's come to an agreement that God is righteous and a holy God. Can we all agree to that? All of us in agreement, right? Is there anybody who disagrees with that statement? God is a holy and a righteous God. Okay, we'll move forward. Can we agree that, that through Scripture, like the one that we just read, that, that we can get a glimpse, just a small glimpse, a, a morsel of His majesty and His holiness? Every time I read Isaiah 6, I, I mean, it just, I, I tremble at God's holiness. Ronnie, Papa. His holiness. The heights cannot be seen. There, there is no way to scale the heights of just how holy God truly is. I, I've told you before, 
But I've got to tell you again, I, I think the song lyrics uh, of that, that wonderful song that, that they played to death on the radio years ago, I can only imagine. I believe there's falsehood when, 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 when the lyrics say this. Will I stand in your presence or will my knees, will I fall? Church, I believe that when we stand before Jesus, we won't be standing for long. We're not going to be standing for long. Because for the first time, we are going to see ourselves through his eyes when we stand before him. And all of our unrighteousness and all the acts that we did in the name of God and as Christians, listen, that's, we're going to stand before the righteous one then. I don't know about you, but I, 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 want, I want to fall before him for all he's done for me. We will not be able to stand church because of his holiness we won't be able to stand psalm 5 4 says this for you are not a god who takes pleasure in wickedness listen 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 to what the psalmist says no evil dwells in you i'm beating this horse y'all i want y'all to get it god is holy jesus our savior is holy. The Holy Spirit of God is holy, not because his name starts with holy, because he is holy. Now, let's go to the opposite end of the spectrum here and look at man in this world. Because that's the object of our desire this morning is to find the purpose. What, what in the, Dan, what is the purpose of this world and man? Look with me real quick, if you can, flip to Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 16 says this. It says, Solomon writes this, he says, I also observed under the sun, there is wickedness at the place of judgment and there is wickedness at the place of righteousness. Both, both sides. I, I said to myself, God will judge the righteous and the wicked since there is a time for every activity and every work. I said to myself, this happens concerning people so that God may test them and they may see for themselves that they are like animals. I want us, church, to feel how wicked man is and to see there is no limits to the evil that we will inflict on one another. Since 1948, North Korea has killed up to 3.5 million of its own people. Why? Because they didn't agree with them. Boy, I, I praise God I live in America and something like that can't happen here. You better shut your mouth. You, you can't see the tides turning. 
how they're trying to take, they're, they're trying to monitor free speech. If you didn't see anything during the COVID revolution, that they monitored free, free speech. You couldn't say anything at all about certain people or certain things because they'd cut you off. I wound up in Facebook jail for, I don't, I don't know, one time, one time for, a, 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 I think, a three-month stint. It was a glorious time. But it doesn't end there. Listen, between 1913 and 1922, there was a thing called the Armenian Genocide where between 800,000 and 1.5 million people were killed. The Assyrian Genocide, there were 150,000 to 300,000 people slaughtered. The Greek Genocide, in the same time frame, between 1913 and 1922, the, the Greek Genocide, between 289,000 and 750,000 people were slaughtered. Combined, combined with the, the Greek famine on Mount Lebanon, 200,000 people. People slaughtered. Between 1895 and 1945, the Japanese killed somewhere, listen, between 3 and 14 million civilians and prisoners of war were, were, were either directly perpetrated or condoned by the Japanese military and government. This was executed through massacre, human experimentation, starvation, and forced labor. Man's wicked. What we will do and inflict upon each other is limitless. Between 1928 and 1946, the Chinese national government is estimated to be responsible for between 6 and 18.5 million deaths of their own people that didn't agree with the communist government. We all know this one. The Nazi Holocaust between 1939 and 1945 is estimated to have killed more than 6 million. That's a conservative estimate. 6 million. Let me drive it home a little bit. They killed over 6 million people in seven years. How? Why? 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 Why would they do such a thing? Because man is wicked and evil. Wicked and evil. And the church, understand this. Please get, please get this. This is evil that we can see and that we know of that was actually been reported. What about the wickedness that we might not ever know, like, like what I told you last week about two two-year-old little boys who, who were tortured and abused by seven men in a mall bathroom? That's, that's sick and evil. How about the 16-year-old girl years ago who was kidnapped and beaten and abused for days by a group of men, by, by abductors, and, and when they had enough of her, they threw her in a pond that was full of alligators. Wicked. Evil. How about the, the, the long, sordid list of serial killers throughout the world's history? Think about, listen, think, let's bring it a little closer to home. Think about how the I-95 corridor, if, that, if y'all aren't, let me just refresh you, that's the highway that's just up here. How the I-95 corridor and the city of Savannah is a hotbed for human trafficking and atrocities. Church, if all of this is true, which it is, 
Why? Why in the world would a God who knew all of this, why, why, why he knew how evil man was going to be, why, why would he create us and this world? Why? Look at Genesis chapter 6. I just want to, you know, I want to hear God's words real quick. Genesis chapter 6. I know I don't usually make y'all run back and forth to different scriptures, but we're going to this morning. Genesis chapter 6, we're going to start reading in verse 11. And Moses records this. He says, Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight, and the earth was filled with violence. God saw how corrupt the earth was, for all flesh had corrupted its way on the earth. Then God said to Noah, I have decided put to put an end to all flesh, for the earth is filled with violence because of them. Therefore, I am going to destroy them along with the earth. But he brought it all back. He knew what man was going to do prior to the flood. And God in his infinite wisdom, he, he knew what man was going to do after the flood. Why? Why would he create man when man is so wicked on this earth? Why would he do it? What's the purpose of the world and man? The answer in its short version is a very easy answer. Why did God create this world and put wicked man here? What is our purpose? To choose him. That is why we are here in the midst of this wickedness. That we who call ourselves Christians, would choose him. He would be our priority. God, the Son of God, would be our number one priority, that we would choose him. The short answer is easy. The easy answer is God wants us to choose him. The long and hard part of this answer is that God wants you to choose him in all things. In everything. You know what most Christians do in their choosing of God? I don't know why it's so easy. Well, I listen, I'll choose God to go to church on Sunday morning. I'm going to choose God on Sunday morning. What about Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday? Can I tell you all something? If you all look at the early church in the book of Acts, We wouldn't have made it. We wouldn't have made the cut. We wouldn't have. 
Oh, hold on, Brother Kyle. Well, how do you know we couldn't, have made, we couldn't have made the cut? Because they met daily. Daily. You know what that means? Let's, you know, dumb it down. It means every day. Every day. God wants us to choose him in all things. Now, I've got a list here. I mean, I could spend probably six months on the real list, okay? I'm not going to do that to you because I know some of y'all are hungry. Y'all want to go get something to eat. My food's waiting on me at the house on on the counter. God wants us to choose him, listen, and not the world. God wants us to choose him and not, well, that's, Brother Kyle, that's pretty easy. Yeah, but, but most of you choose the world and not God. You, you do. Listen, here's the best illustration I, I can give to you to this point. Worldly activities should not be the reason you don't attend church or you miss church. Church should be the reason that you miss worldly activities. Church, God wants you not only to choose him and not the world, but God wants you to choose him in your marriage. He does. You look around this room and, and you, you see church members who've been married 60, 70 years. And, and what, what, what's the attributing factor of, of the success in their marriage? Well, it, it wasn't the man. <laughs> Mr. Crawford, we mess up, don't we? We burn, the, we burn the beans, don't we? Too often we leave the toilet seat up. <laughs> right? Yeah, we, 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 we blow it. And, and ladies, it's, it, it ain't because of you. It's not. It, the, the marriage didn't stay the way it did and stay intact because of critical analysis. <laughs> or, or great directions when you're on a road trip. Or letting your spouse know that you're too close to the car in front of you. That's not how it happens. Please understand me, church. A marriage, a true marriage, is a binding contract both legally and spiritually between not two entities but three entities. A man, a woman... And God. Notice that I did not say a man, a man and God, a woman and a woman and God. I said a man, a woman and God. And if you have a problem with that, you take it up with God, don't take it up with me. Because Jesus in Mark chapter 10 clearly stated. If one of these three is not present... You do not have a marriage. You can call it whatever you want to, but it's not a marriage. You have a relationship. God wants you to choose him. That means, ladies, you should be dating someone who has chosen God first. First. Men, you should be dating someone. If, if, listen, this, if you're married, you don't even ought to be dating nobody. <laughs> You don't even need looking at anybody. And when Satan brings somebody in front of you that that appeals to you, you look at Satan and say, yeah, she's pretty, but she ain't as good looking as my wife. 
If a person you are dating has no desire to put God first, you better run and wait on God. You hear me? But God wants, he wants something else. Ronnie, he, he, God wants us to choose him and not violence. We, we saw about what Moses wrote in Genesis 6. The earth was filled with violence. Violence. This one can be kind of hard, especially if you're a man. It can. We're living in a time where people are absolutely nuts. They're crazy. Really. Now, this is in my notes. I'm going to hold my finger there because I, I want to. We need to be careful about what we say and how we act. Do you hear me? We, we were leaving the hockey game last night, and as you, we ride the, the uh, what's it called? The shuttle, thank you. We ride the shuttle, and we were walking out. Y'all, it was cold outside last night. It was cold. I mean, I was warm. I had my jacket on. But, we were, we, but as we're walking towards the buses to get on, there's, I mean, they're backed up. They're ready to, I mean, they can take us all. But this dude cuts around the corner for me, and, I mean, he just cuts me and Amy off, the guy in the brown jacket. You remember him? I didn't say anything to you, but I was like, dude, I mean, come on. And, and, and you know, old Kyle that's still inside here, he said, you know, you ought to say something to him. I said, yes, I should. I should say something to him. I'll trip him or something, you know, something. I mean, he, he, he was just trying to get around, just to get around. And, I mean, he wasn't any fast. I mean, just why? Why? And I thought about saying something to him, Ronnie. I did. I, and I just about did. I, I, I wanted to, you know, to listen. Can I tell you about Jesus? Yeah, that's not what I was wanting to tell him, y'all. But we got to be careful because there's always somebody around, always somebody. You, you never know. You never know. Listen, we walked through the zigzag, and as soon as we cut the corner, I heard, hey, Waddell. And I was like, oh, Brother Philip. He was there last night. And I'm thinking, you know, boy, if I'd have given him that, if I'd have given that man his mind, boy, I'd have shown my Christianity, wouldn't I? I mean, I, I make mistakes, Mr. Haas, sometimes I don't choose. I mean, I, I don't make the right choice, but I did that, that last night. Thank, thank the Lord. Listen, I, I do believe that, that if, if God would overlook it, if we're defending ourselves against an attacker, or if we're defending at that moment our, our family or our friends or our children or our grandchildren, I think God would he'd give us a pass on that. What I'm speaking of is someone doing you wrong and you, you, you as a Christian, choosing violence as the way to resolve the issue. We are taught in Scripture to turn the other cheek. Have y'all ever had to do that? <clears throat> we are taught in Scripture to forgive 70 times 7. I, I did a study on that one time, and I pulled out my calculator. And you know what I got to figure? And he, he, he wasn't really talking about a math equation. He was talking about you, you are, as a Christian, are to forgive so often and so much that you lose track of the number. That's hard. When we do that, you know what we're doing? We're choosing God. We're choosing Him. That's the purpose of us being here is to choose God. Church, God wants us to choose him in raising our children 
and not from a book that was written by a man who did not have any children. I still can't believe we had that man's book in our house when our children were children. I ought to divulge who that is, shouldn't I? Y'all know Dr. Spock didn't have any children? Y'all knew that, right? That book was that thick. Really, it was. And he didn't know nothing about raising children. But the Word of God tells us how. Now, understand, the Bible tells you how to raise your children, and even if they go astray from God's Word, which a lot do, His Word is still in them. I've seen this evidence uh, here, here in the past year. I've seen this evidence more and more and more and more. A child who is just, you know, pushed, pushed away from God, but they'll come home or they'll say something or they'll text you something, and it's just like, well, yep, yep, it's still in them. It's still in them. God, church, wants you to choose him in your job, in your finances, in your business, your recreational time, your private time. Listen, he even wants you to choose him when you have no time. Can I tell you the first choice that God wants you to make when it comes to choosing him first? God wants you to choose his son. How, how, how do you do that? Well, Scripture teaches us that, that we need to repent of our sins and ask Jesus to be the Lord of our lives. Romans 10, 9 teaches that, that we are to confess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that God has raised Jesus from the dead. That's choosing him. In the early stages of, of 2024, I, I believe that if we want to see a movement of God the way we say we do, the very first thing we can do is choose him. Decide today, like Joshua wrote, today, I don't know what you're going to do, but I choose the Lord. Why did God create the world and place man in it? When he knew what we would do over and over and over again and what we would become, because he wanted us to choose him in all things. Now, I want to ask you, will you be the one who chooses God today? Let's all stand. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Our Father in heaven, Lord Jesus, we come to you asking forgiveness of our sins and where we fail you. Lord, I pray that you would be with us during this time of invitation, that you would still our hearts and your spirit would move. In Jesus' name I do pray. With all heads bowed and all eyes come, the altar is open to you. If you want to come and just spend some time with the Lord, will you come?